Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Dewey Burke, breaking down the North Carolina victory over Notre Dame, 69-68. Dewey, I don't know about you, man, but (laughs) during that last, I guess, 7.1 seconds, whatever it was, at the very end of that, I let out a massive sigh of relief. What was your reaction to seeing that ball just rim out for Notre Dame in the closing seconds? I was amazed that we did get the stop. It just didn't, the way the game had been trending the final 10 minutes, it just felt like they were going to find a way to get a bucket or get a foul and maybe get it to overtime or or get us at the end. Uh, I was shocked that the ball came out. But you're happy because you found a way to win on the road, but... We didn't play well, obviously, and to get pounded on the glass like that and still win is rare. Uh, it's amazing how often when you win re- the rebounding battle, you win the game. And they killed us on the glass. We didn't shoot the ball well. About the only thing we did well was take care of the ball, but didn't help us because we, we shot the ball so poorly. It just was a funky game, and I thought we were finally getting in a groove when we got up six, and we promptly gave up four straight threes to go down six. So it just it was just an ugly game, and – we got away from Luke in the second half when he was playing so well in the first and took a lot of jump shots, gave up a ton of offensive rebounds, but somehow we won. That's that's about all I can say. Absolutely. And the way that this ACC season has started for the heels on the road, I'll definitely take it. And I feel like most Carolina fans will take an ugly win over a pretty loss, I guess is a way to, to phrase it. You have to. And even though they were even though they were down their two best players, you felt like we should have had an easier time. But games on the road are difficult. You got the crowd behind them, and they had kids step up. They made a lot of shots, made 10 threes. And we missed a ton of open ones that we should have made. I thought Cam had the opportunity to have a big, big night for us and just struggled, just didn't have his, his touch. And you have nights like that as a shooter. And most of his points aren't going to come around the rim. It's going to be from the perimeter. And you're either going to be making them or you're not. And he just was way off. And not like any of his misses were really that close either. Uh, he was significantly off uh, when the ball was leaving his hand, just one of those nights as a shooter. So yeah. I'm, <laughs> as you can hear, I'm a little bit at a loss just because it was just, it was ugly. We didn't play well. We didn't rebound. They beat us the 50, 50 balls. And uh, you know, we did have some really good minutes. I thought from Garrison and Sterling in the second half, and uh, just barely did enough and I think got fortunate that we got a foul call. The Theo charge is probably a 50-50 call, and a lot of times down the stretch you see refs swallow their whistle, and, and that means Joel doesn't get that call and we're not on the free throw line, and, and they would be, and we're trying to figure out how to score down three instead of him getting those free throws. So a couple calls went our way, which was good, and uh, – you know, you give a lot of credit to Joel for stepping up and making those free throws. And, 
and having the guts to to knock them down and we kind of got to stop at the end if you want to call it that to uh to get a win yeah joel barry just continues to have ice in his veins we've had the conversation a couple times of who would you want you know shooting the last shot for carolina i think i said luke when that question came up um it was something with sherelle and i were talking about it but i don't know after a performance like that you kind of have to go with joel with if the game's on the line, you just want the ball in his hands. You do, yeah. And, and we, in that possession, that it was kind of discombobulated because there was the, the jump ball and then a the timeout. And But when we came down with the ball, uh, down by one, we ran a box set looking to either try to get the ball to Luke in the post or we had Cam coming off of a double screen. And Notre Dame defended it pretty well, and we got the ball back to Joel. And he and Luke ran a, a pick and roll, and he just he kind of lost his footing there. And it got real crowded. Our spacing wasn't real good, and that's what ended up in the in the hell ball. So I liked what we ran. We you know we ran a set where we had options to to get the ball inside to Luke or have a shooter coming off. But when that stuff breaks down, it's got to be Joel. And and uh, he was trying to make a play. It just it didn't work out. And then uh, we got the timeout and under out of bounds because the shot clock was only at four. We really didn't have time to get the ball in and, and run any type of set. So we ran a play that we've had in our playbook forever which is uh kind of a, a cross screen down screen and the big guy loops around and tries to get the ball up by the rim sterling just got bumped off his cut and fumbled the ball a little bit and to his credit was able to regain it and throw it up to the rim which was the right thing and we just got lucky that that joel was being a heady guy and was in the right place at the right time to try to put the ball back up and happen to get fouled yeah, it looked like Notre Dame had kind of lost Joel there um, amongst the trees, you can say, in the post. So it does just show, though, the motor that Joel has that he never gave up, and he was in that position to even go for the rebound. I think that's right. He was the inbounder on the play, and so we ran the set. If You know, if you go back and watch it, like I said, it's a play we've had forever. So Theo makes a cut from the weak side block across to the other block and into the corner, and then Sterling's supposed to fake towards the ball and then receive a down screen from Cam and loop around and try to get the ball up at the rim. He just happened to get bumped off his cut and it was just hectic there. But a lot of times in situations, you you can get caught just watching. And to Joel's credit, he, he got back on the floor and got under the rim where the ball could end up potentially. And, you know, it kind of fell on his lap and he made a play. Absolutely. Let's start talking about some individual performances. You brought up Cam Johnson earlier. And he did not have a good offensive game at all. I mean, the stats just show that. However, I did think that Cam made up for it with a lot of hustle plays. Um, some some people may kind of rag on him a little bit for the final, final play of the game. And maybe he could have gone for the rebound a little bit stronger, but I, I didn't see it. I think he would just, you know, it was just a bad position. But coming down the stretch, you know, there was a play where there was a loose ball and Cam actually dove and forced a jump ball, and he was really active, I thought. So it was kind of one of those games where Cam wasn't contributing too much on the offensive side, but he kept on trying, which I think is big for him, given that his career at Carolina is basically still getting started. I think that's right. And it's just, it's important for us that we have another guy that's so experienced. Being in a road environment that's rowdy and loud on a Saturday night is not going to phase Cam Johnson. You know, it's he's going to receive that environment differently than Garrison and Jalik and and Sterling are, right? Because they've never really been through this, and he has. So 
that part to have an experienced and obviously an intelligent player on the floor. He shot the ball very poorly, as we talked about, but he does impact the game in other ways. He is tall and long. He had a couple of rebounds. The loose ball you're talking about, I think they actually ended up calling Cam out of bounds on it instead of they giving him a jump ball. Um, yeah. But I, I remember what you're saying, and he was first to the floor. So he, he does a lot of positive things. I think he's an underrated passer. Uh, he just didn't have the ball go in the basket for him tonight from a shooting perspective. And, you know, if he'd have made that open corner jumper before Kenny's foul happened that led to their two free throws to put them up by one, then we're singing his praises for having the guts to take and make that shot that would have put us up by three. But just wasn't his night as far as a shooting uh, a shooting night could go. But you're right. And, and again, I, I, I look at the experience that he brings and the size that he brings we're much better off with him than not. Oh, absolutely. And he's got a really good stroke. I mean, the ball rotates nice. So he's definitely got a green light in my eyes. And, and I hope he just kind of gets out of this little funk that he's in. I think he will. I mean, guys go through it. I mean, we saw Luke struggle and then bounce out of it in a big way the other night and played very well again tonight. You go through little slumps. And I mean, I even remember it. And I would judge my performance when I played as how I played in practice, right? And how I performed against the starters and the guys that were going to play the heavy minutes. And even I remember going through three, four days in a row where I shot the ball poorly and it would, it would make me insane because there was no rhyme or reason to it. You just, you have little stretches where you go cold and the ball comes off your hand funny for whatever reason. So he'll get in the gym, I hope, and, and get reps and just, find the feeling again and he'll snap out of it. He's going to have a big game for us here soon where he makes four, five, six, seven threes. And we're going to be all very excited about having him with us. Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. Let's talk about one of the freshmen you mentioned, Sterling Manley. I don't know exactly how many minutes he played, but in limited action, he had seven points, three rebounds, and he shot 60% from the field. And to me, I think he has established himself as the best freshman big that we have on the team right now. And he just can, continues to really develop and show that he can actually put the ball in the basket. Offensively, there's no question. He, he shows the brightest of, of the bigs. And uh, his activity was terrific tonight. Great energy. And a lot of times, and we've talked about this on this podcast, a lot of times the most important thing you can do as a big when you're around the rim is rebound out of your area. It's one thing to be seven feet tall when the ball is generally right above you, go up and get it. Okay, you should get those ones. Sterling, I think, is learning how to rebound outside of his area and and believe that the ball goes up off the rim, that, that it it's his, he owns it, he believes it should be his. And that mentality is something you develop with our coaching and how seriously we take rebounding. And I think he is starting to understand that. I still think Garrison's better than Sterling is on the defensive end. And I think you saw that tonight. Mm -hmm. A couple times when they ran ball screens and Garrison got switched on a guard, he did a great job, got down in the stance, moved his feet, uh, gave us a big bucket that we needed late on the nice pick and roll from Joel. So I think the combination of those two guys, still a work in progress, but we got 11 and seven out of them when you look at their stat line together. And they were both, I thought, very, very solid in the second half. Yeah, definitely. And I think that in the future, you might see Garrison move to that four spot, which I think is a little bit more of his natural position. But if you can get Garrison and Manley 
you know, with a little bit of size, a little bit more experience. I think those two could be a really good um, post duo for the heels. I think you're right. And we're, you know, we're looking forward after next year because Luke is going to be with us next year and he's going to play 33, 34 minutes. So we're really talking about when those two are juniors and you don't know who else is going to get recruited and what's going to happen, injuries, those kinds of things. But I agree. You can envision when those guys have had a couple summers building their bodies, playing against our pros that come back in the summer, being really tough to deal with because they're both really big and really long. And if they do the things they should do, take the coaching and, and take it seriously working on their bodies, they could be really, really tough for us and make it very difficult for opponents to score around the rim with that kind of size. Definitely agree with you there. I'm going to ask the stereotypical radio question to you, Dewey, but who was your player of the game for this one? I think Theo. I mean, obviously, I think everybody's going to point to Luke, and he obviously scored the ball exceptionally well in the first half, and we didn't do a great job of getting him the basketball, I didn't think, in the second half as much as uh, as we did in the first. And I think you can give that to Joel Berry every game just because of how hard he plays, and he's the heart and soul of our team. But I thought Theo was terrific tonight, 13 points, seven rebounds, four assists, and a steal. And no turnovers, which is critical because Theo has had a you know a propensity to turn the ball over three, four times sometimes in games uh, so far this year. So he took care of the ball, took good shots, made an open three, didn't hesitate, caught it in rhythm and knocked it down. And when the game was getting a little hectic back and forth and they were making a lot of threes, he made a couple really solid plays for us, getting to the basket, finishing around the rim that kept it when it could have gone real bad for us if they had made another shot or two and it could have stretched to seven, eight, ten points. I thought Theo kept us in it. He obviously took that big, big charge, which to me was a 50-50 call. It went our way, but still had the guts to step in there and take it. So for me, Theo Pinson was the player of the game. Let's talk about, I guess, Theo's on the defensive side, and we can kind of parlay this into a lineup conversation as well. I thought Theo did a great job playing against the bigger post guys. I mean, even though Carolina was out-rebounded, that's just kind of going to happen. But I felt that the heels at least made Notre Dame work as hard as they could make them work on the interior. And the same goes for Luke May. I thought Luke did a, a pretty good job. I don't know his name, but the big post player for, for Notre Dame, mm-hmm. um, you know, I thought Luke held his own as much as you would expect, really. I think that's right. And to your point, we really did a good job defending the ball around the basket. They shot overall 35% from the field. So that's Mm. not where they hurt us. It's that they made 10 threes and that so many of those were pretty open, relatively easy shots. The left-handed kid for them, Jogo, I think was his name. He hit back-to-back threes at the top of the key running the same play. And both times, Luke just lost sight of his man. He got mesmerized watching the ball they ran a ball screen with Gibbs away from Luke's guy and Luke was just staring at the ball his man rotated to the top catch and shoot and he drilled two in a row and that was just lazy poor defense on Luke's part there's no other way to put that uh so we lost guys around the perimeter a lot that led to a lot of open threes and you shoot 10 for 24 from three and you out rebound the team that you play against you typically win that game so for us to have scratched and fought and clawed and found a way somehow uh I think says a lot about some of the heart the team has, but man, we, we just need to play better. There's no other way to put it because Notre Dame was down their best two guys. And some could say we didn't deserve to win that game. Yeah. But it's important for the team to get an ACC win on the road. I feel like, especially, you know, with those, with the Florida state game and then 
just Virginia, which Carolina was really never competitive in that game. So I thought it was very important for the team to just get a win. It was. It wasn't. And you know what? When you go back in the locker room, you celebrate like you won by 20. It feels just as good on the plane ride home as if you won by 20. You know, it's not until tomorrow in practice or they'll probably be off. Monday in practice, you watch some film. Okay, what can we learn from? How can we figure out a way to play better? But right now, it's just a win is a win is a win. And when it's on the road in this conference, you'll take it every time, especially against a team that was 3-1 and in the conference. They, they were ahead of us in the standings, and we caught them with this win. So as we said at the outset, we will always take it, even if it wasn't pretty and even if it took a lucky bounce at the end for us not to be feeling real bad about it. You give Joel Berry all the credit in the world for being as tough as he is to step up and make those free throws. You give Theo credit for taking that charge. You know, a couple other plays. Coach made a great call coming uh, coming out of a dead ball when we ran the slip play to Luke for the wide open dunk. That came from the bench. That was a great mm-hmm. call. Uh, so just enough little things happened for us to get that W. Let's look forward a little bit, Dewey. The rebounding effort has to improve, I feel like. I mean, maybe that was just, you know, Carolina got a little bit unlucky, but I think rebounding is something that that the coaching staff is definitely going to be addressing with these guys. And with Clemson coming into town on Tuesday, that game is at the Dean Dome. Clemson just knocked off Miami earlier today. What do you think the team might be focusing on between now and Tuesday to get ready for a Clemson team that I'm sure is wanting to break their winless streak in, in, in the Dean Dome? You know, as I watch the game, and as we're talking about the rebounding difficulties, I really did think it was so simple. We just weren't boxing out. I mean, it's, it's not enough, especially when you're undersized, to think that, oh, there's a shot going up. I'm just going to go and try to elevate and just end up with it because we're not big enough to do that. You know, when you're John Henson and Tyler Zeller, you can get away with not boxing out because you're so much bigger that you can just go up there and you're, you're going to be higher up than the other guy and you're just going to end up with the ball when you're undersized Luke May and Theo and Cam Johnson you have to box out you have to otherwise you're going to get killed on the glass and looking back at some of those possessions I was watching it on DVR so we give up an offensive rebound and I would just click it back 15 seconds and watch it again we just weren't boxing out I mean Mm -hmm. it's one thing to to attempt to box out and they beat you to it or guards are coming in and you know getting a full head of steam from the three-point line and getting rebounds that's a different thing we just weren't boxing I mean I don't know how else to put we were not even trying to box out a lot of the time so it's a pretty simple fundamental that you can show it on tape and you can go practice it but you just got to do it you got to be mentally tough enough to understand that you can have a great defensive possession then if you don't finish the defense with a box out it was all for nothing. So that's one of Coach Williams' favorite sayings, finish the defense with a box out. It sounds simple enough, but comes out of his mouth a lot. I think it'll be a big-time focus at practice on Monday. And we'll end on this, Dewey. When you were playing for the Heels, did you guys ever talk about the fact that Clemson had never won in the Dean Dome? Like, was that even brought up at all amongst the, no, the team? Never. Nope, never. I mean, to be fair, when I played – we were so much better than Clemson that you never worried about Clemson coming into your gym and beating you just because we were so much better. Uh, I'm just being honest. Um, yeah. but they're Now they're good. And uh, so, I, you know, the media wants to talk about it and I get it. It's a, it's a thing. It's going to, the streak will fall eventually, 
But uh, the answer to your question is no. We never talked about that. And, you know, as college kids, you're just excited to be playing a game and have it not be practice. So it's just the next game and you're just ready to go. Gotcha. Well, I definitely think the Tigers are going to be coming into Keenan looking to give it their all. So we will see what happens on Tuesday night. But do we really appreciate you joining me for this one? We'll go ahead and sign off. And again, Carolina somehow, some way pulled off the victory up in South Bend, 69-68. We're on to the next one. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.